You are listening to the Super Mom is Getting Tired podcast. I'm your host, Tori Henderson, and this is episode 25. Welcome to the Super Mom is Getting Tired podcast. This show is designed for moms who invest everything into parenting, but get overwhelmed, lost, and resentful. Listen and learn how to unburden yourself, feel calm, full of energy, and in control. I'm your host, master certified life coach, teacher, and recovering super mom, Tori Henderson. Hello, super moms. I hope you are doing well. I just got back from Costa Rica and it was wonderful. I absolutely love that country. So hooked. But while I was there, I got to think about this great question from Grace. And it was just a good one. I love to be able to go like an inch wide and a mile deep into like the personality of a kid. (laughs) So it's kind of a longer question because I asked her for more details. If you have a child who you think has got maybe kind of a more challenging personality, then I want you to listen to this episode. This is a, a juicy one where we can dive in deep. So Grace's question is this. She says, Dear Tori, I recently found your podcast. Thank you for providing such great information. You are welcome, Grace. Super fun. I want to pick your brain about parenting a child who shows more attention-seeking behavior than her siblings. My middle child, who is nine, is constantly pointing out how life is unfair for her, how everyone else has it better. I try my best to be as fair as possible to each child. I also point out how even though it seems like everyone has it better than her, she actually has a lot to be grateful for as well, which I know doesn't go over too well, but you know, we always got to try, don't we, mamas? (laughs) Oh, I don't know why it doesn't work. We just say, just be grateful for what you have. But yeah, nonetheless, she's tried, didn't work. Moving on. My other two kids are pretty laid back and compliant, so in comparison, she seems more needy. When she was younger, this would manifest as a lot of crying spells and meltdowns over seemingly insignificant things, which I know is normal, but her behavior was so unlike my other two. She also tends to be the instigator when it comes to any sibling fights. She will say things like, you don't love me or you don't care about me, and I tell her firmly that's not the case, obviously. One common situation is that my youngest is very attached to me and will reach for my hand when we're walking, so naturally, I oblige. But then my nine-year-old will complain that I'm holding her sister's hand instead of hers. In the past, I've given her more attention and tried to make her feel special, but once I take away this attention, she melts down and seems to demand even more. She responds well to time together and one-on-one attention, but even then, it has to be on her terms. I have tried to initiate on my own, and she will be indifferent at times. How do I balance the attention she needs versus the attention she wants? Grace. All right. So I'm going to start with my parent education answer, which is, this is just such a great example and a great opportunity for us to talk about defining and accepting your child's temperament. So temperament refers to the different aspects of a personality. So Grace, the mom, is calling this attention-seeking behavior. But sometimes when she gives her attention, it doesn't work. So what I'm hearing in this behavior is a temperament that is sensitive, dramatic, 
persistent, and intense. The great thing about kids is that they tell you exactly what they're thinking. So Grace's daughter genuinely believes that life is unfair. She thinks, at times, she isn't loved, she isn't cared for as much as her siblings. She truly believes that she is getting the short end of the stick. Because that's what she says. Super clear. So there's nothing that mom can do about what her daughter chooses to believe. There's really nothing any of us can do. Like, if your loved ones want to think something, they want to believe something, there's nothing you can do to change that, right? She tried. She said, you know, you things are fair. Look, I do this for you. You know, you should be grateful for what you have. You got to let... We, we try that. It doesn't work. <laughs> we cannot make people think differently. So clearly, this mom has tried to convince her daughter that she is loved and treated fairly. There is no amount of attention that mom can give her to make her think differently. She could spend 48 hours straight with one-on-one time, come home, hold little sister's hands, and her daughter would be right back to thinking that she doesn't get enough love. So trying to get her daughter to think differently isn't going to change her. When a child is intense and dramatic— we tend to see them as powerful, right? They seem strong. They seem capable. We get annoyed that they don't act differently because clearly they could just change. They could just act differently. And so what happens is our kid is intense and dramatic, right? They make a big deal out of little things. And then we as parents tend to match that intense energy. We yell. We put them in timeout. We get annoyed with them. So this is why I'd like to add the word sensitive to describe Grace's daughter's temperament. We tend to think of sensitivity as weaker, more fragile. But <laughs> I think what we're seeing here in the meltdowns, and since she was tiny, since she was little, she's been having meltdowns. She struggles to feel safe and loved. Her brain easily goes into a fear response. So she might not be acting scared. She might be acting mad, but it's more like this, you know, kind of cornered little dog that's like lashing out. But I think it's really from fear because she's having these thoughts like nobody loves me and I'm, you know, basically I'm getting the short end of the stick. Life's, you know, I'm not getting the fair treatment. So that's scary for a kid. Even if it's not true, she believes that it's true. And so her brain is going into this fear response, this fight, flight, or freeze. And it sounds like she might be a fighter. (laughs) Nobody acts their best when they're scared. We don't know why, Grace's daughter was made this way, and the other two were perfectly, you know, kind of compliant and easygoing. It's nobody's fault, but we do know that the world is made up of all kinds of people, and we need all kinds of people in it. So we want to separate out the daughter's personality and her temperament from what mom can do about it. (laughs) And there isn't a whole lot mom can do about this temperament type, this personality type that her daughter has. So we want to start by accepting that this is just how she was wired, how she's made. 
thinking about having a sensitive child helps us as parents kind of slow down. We quiet our voice. We lower our posture. We speak more softly, more kindly. When our child's emotions overwhelm them, like, you know, they're having meltdowns or they're just getting really agitated or they're just seeing fear wherever they go or they're seeing bad things can happen or, you know, world's unfair and unjust and the emotions start to get, take over, then the brain goes into fight or flight. Okay, so our goal as parents is to help our kids shift out of this fight or flight response because no good can come from it. (laughs) When they're in fear, they can't access their logical brain. They can't think clearly. So our primary goal when our kids are scared is to help them shift out of fear. Once she can do that, then she can access the logical, calmer parts of her brain. She can't get there on her own. She can't get to the logical part. She's got to calm down first. So we don't have to agree with what she's saying to calmly validate what she is feeling. So we might say to her, like, I understand you feel like nobody loves you. Like, that must be terrible. You feel jealous of the attention I'm giving your sister. It's so hard for you to believe that you're getting as much as your siblings. And we can kind of repeat what we hear her saying and the behavior she's demonstrating to help her feel seen, heard, validated, because when she feels that way, then she can kind of calm down and move out of that fight or flight state. So think about this for a minute. If you truly believed that you were not loved by your mom, how would you feel? It would be so scary to be a nine-year-old kid thinking your mom doesn't love you or she cares more about your siblings than you. Even though you know that that's not true, she's thinking it. In that moment, she is totally believing it. She's terrified. So she screams, she yells, she fights for love and attention, and she thinks that that's the way to get it. But of course, you know, we're all humans. And when our kid is fighting and screaming and yelling for love and attention, it's the last thing we really want to give them. So if you were to come down and onto her level, to touch her, to use a calm voice, to repeat what you hear her saying, like, I know it seems like it's unfair, you feel like you really need something, but this would help her calm down. It would also make it hard for her to believe that you don't love her when you're clearly making her feel seen, heard, and felt. So in a nutshell, (laughs) we cannot make our kids think differently but we can help them feel seen, heard, and felt. And part of the way we can do that is to demonstrate, like show them, like, I hear what you're saying. I know you believe this and it's okay. But also to accept that this is just how they were wired and this is their personality and their temperament. And it's not really up to us to argue that they should be different than they are. Like, they're wired this way. This is how they're made. They're perfect as they are. I I know that uh, Grace can see the benefits of this personality type. Like, she mentioned it in the email that, like, you know, this is going to serve her well, her strong will and her persistence. But I want Grace to also throw in this idea that, yes, she's strong-willed. Yes, she's dramatic and intense. 
but I think that she is also very sensitive. And it's super easy for her to go into this fight or flight response. And I think that's probably what you're seeing with the siblings, instigating the siblings. Like, and that's why you, she probably benefits from this one on one time is because things are calmer. It's easier for her to stay calm. And with the siblings and the chaos and the noise, like she just might have a hard time balancing all the stimulation, all the different emotions. So, Put on the pair of glasses that says, I have a sensitive child. In fact, read the book, The Highly Sensitive Child by Elaine Aaron. Highly recommend that one. Read that book and look at your daughter through that lens and see if it doesn't fit and see if maybe that's the source for all of the, what you call attention-seeking behavior. Okay, I want to dive into a little life coaching answer here. So I remember talking with my parenting coach and having this huge aha. Now, I was embarrassed (laughs) because I thought I was supposed to be this parenting expert. I read all these parenting books, but I was pulling my hair out trying to understand my strong-willed four-year-old. So I did it. I sucked it up. I hired a coach, and I'm so glad that I did because the light bulb went on for me when I realized it's her temperament, that arguing with her temperament was like arguing with God. You know, like, this is how she's wired. Who am I to think that she should be different than she is? And just like Grace here, like, I had this really, like, people-pleasing, compliant firstborn (laughs) and this really rebellious, strong-willed secondborn. And as my husband said, he says, you can't be a parenting expert and expect to have only easy children. <laughs> I was like, yeah, I guess that's true. So from that day on, ever since I realized like it's her temperament, I was been able to accept her rebellious, strong-willed behavior, and life got so much easier for me. And it's like I've never gone back. I just like, okay, this is who she is. She has to rebel against me, and this is not something that's ever going to change. <laughs> So what gets in our way when we see a difficult personality trait in our kids is the belief that we can change them and that we're supposed to change them. This will exhaust and frustrate us. It is not our job to change their personality, but to work with it and appreciate them for their personalities. And I know it's hard. Like I used to think, okay, this is going to be a great personality trait when she's older. But right now, and when I am her like enemy, it's not so great. So I think that Grace was really doing this. She was really seeing the value in her daughter's strong will. But I think there was some arguing there, thinking like she shouldn't be acting this way. She should be, you know, more compliant, more easygoing, more like her siblings. And so I, a lot of times what gets in mom's way of accepting their personality trait is this like self-blame. Like if I was more attentive, then my daughter wouldn't behave this way. If I gave her the attention that she needs, then she wouldn't, you know, act like this. Or is there something that I'm doing to create it. And so sometimes, sure, it's okay to like reflect and ask yourself that. But then when you get to the point where you've tried everything, you just got to throw your hands up and say, this is how she was wired. 
So trying to control something we have no control over is going to drive us crazy. Personality is something we cannot control. A good question to ask yourself is, how can I be a great mom to a kid who is sensitive, intense, and scared? Or fill in the blank with the personality type of your kids is. So let's say you're listening to this, you're thinking, I have a difficult child. He's dramatic, he's competitive, he's, you know, sullen. Some kids are just born with like not a sunny disposition. I don't know what that would be a gloomy disposition, I guess. And so whatever that personality type that your kid has that you don't like, try changing them, sure. Try putting other thoughts in their heads. Go for it. We got to do it. But if it doesn't work, then switch to how can I be a wonderful mom to a kid who has this challenging personality type? And know that it's it might not be challenging for everybody right like it's all individual you know i love kids who are very dramatic and very active for me that i feel really relaxed and comfortable around that but like my parents went nuts they can't handle you know high activity levels or you know just other parents they have a need for like quieter softer spoken kids and other parents have a tolerance or have no tolerance for whatever. You know, like everyone's, we're all different, right? It's more about like a match between my personality and my kid's personality. Although I think we can all agree that strong will and persistent personality and rebellious types are um, exhausting. So we just accept that and say like, well, what would it look like if I was a great mom to a strong-willed, persistent kid? So just imagine that there's another kid like yours out there in the world. Let's say she's having a meltdown at a park. And she's yelling things like, you don't love me, you're watching, so you don't care about me, like, you don't love my siblings more than me. Okay, so here you are, you're watching this scene play out, somebody else's child, and this child's yelling stuff at her mom. And you're watching this scene and you're thinking, wow, that mom is a really great mom. You're like totally impressed at how she's handling her daughter's meltdown. So think about what would that mom be doing? What is she saying? What's the energy or the emotion that she's rooted in as you admire the way she's handling her daughter's meltdown? The reason our children's personalities bug us is because of how we feel and act when they annoy us. We don't like that our kids can turn us into yelling out of control crazy people. If we get to be the parent that we wanted to be, then their behavior wouldn't bother us. We try to control their behavior so that we can act like a good parent, right? But that doesn't work so well. So we put our power to feel like a good mom into the hands of our dramatic, intense child. Mm, Doesn't really yield us the results we're looking for. So try putting the focus on your own feelings and your own behavior because that's something you actually have control over. You get to decide how you feel, how you act, regardless of how your child acts. So focusing on controlling the thing you have control over will make you feel much more empowered. Today's Supermom Kryptonite, you might be surprised by, is therapy. I want to talk about therapy for a minute. So the Supermom Kryptonite is something that can drain your energy. And so this isn't an exact fit, because 
I believe that one of the reasons we live in a culture of perfectionistic parenting is attributed to therapy. We've got a whole generation of women who went to therapists and we learned all the things that our parents did wrong. Because the common goal of therapy is they want to kind of take you back to child situations where you didn't receive what you needed, and then they give you the compassion and the empathy that you needed at that time, that you deserved. It's kind of like reparenting, giving you what you you needed and showing you that like it was the parents' fault that they should have done it differently, okay? This works. It feels healthy. It feels healing. But the side effect of therapy is that you have an entire generation of women who have learned that there is a right way and a wrong way to parent. We learn that doing the wrong thing can have devastating consequences and cause pain to our children. If we are to be good parents, we need to Always, I think this is what the side effect is, is that we want to become good parents. We're like, okay, well, I'm not going to do what my mom did because clearly that wasn't the right thing to do. So I'm going to do the right thing so that I don't cause my children any pain. So we learn not only that there's a right and wrong, but that we think we have so much power to do the right thing with our kids and then it's like all on us. In order to have these kids that don't have, you know, emotional, psychological wounds. But we also learn that children shouldn't experience pain and discomfort and struggle. And so this well-meaning, well-intentioned therapy approach has been a real pain in the butt for those of us who then become parents and have already a predisposition towards perfectionism, shall we say. So... If we want to be good parents, which we do, that's like, if we're going to do anything right, parenting is the thing we want to do right, right? We're super moms. So then we have this idea that we have to always say and do the right things so that we can prevent our kids from experiencing negative emotions. Therapists don't say this. It's just a side effect of the therapy model. Children are going to experience negative emotions with or without us. Like, they're supposed to. We are wired to experience struggle. We're wired to experience sadness, fear, disappointment. Like, we can handle that. (laughs) Parents are going to yell. They're going to mess up. They're going to lose their temper. They're going to say the wrong thing. There is no way that any parent can do everything right. The reason I like life coaching so much is that you learn how much control you actually have, that you don't have to do everything right as a parent because our brains are completely malleable and you can change anything you don't like about yourself, about your, well, not yourself, not your temperament, right? But you could change anything about the way you think, the way you feel, any actions in your life. You can change any results that you like, that you don't like in your life. Like you can change anything if you focus on the things you have control over, No parent, spouse, or child has the power to make you feel anything that you don't want to feel. So as a kid, you may have experienced some traumatic situations. You may have experienced some negative emotions that needed to come up into the open and to be told to a compassionate witness. But then it's 
you can let it go. You can feel however you want to feel about it now. You can change your present and your future. So life coaching to me is much more empowering, and it doesn't give you the side effect of this right, wrong, perfectionist parenting. I have to do everything right. My kid's entire emotional well-being is laying on my shoulders. Life coaching gives you permission to be imperfect, and but still strive to do your best, right? Like, it's not like you're going to be imperfect all day, every day. You can strive to be the best mom you want to be, but also accept yourself for making mistakes and being imperfect and knowing that your kids can overcome it, (laughs) that it's not just the first six years of life that's like the only time you have to imprint on them the perfect parenting scenarios, that really, for the rest of your life, you can change and your kids can change and anything that they don't like is totally adaptable and malleable. So accepting things you have no control over, like your child's temperament, help you relax, enjoy things as they are. And I think therapy can sometimes be a super mom kryptonite because of the effect of it, the side effects, I'll call it. Today's Supermom Power Boost, on the other hand, is also therapy. Okay, if I'm going to bag on therapy and kind of point out the downsides of it, I also want to tell you where I see the value in it and where it can help a mom out and give her a boost of energy, because there is a time and a place for therapy. So, Therapy was based on the premise that a client is mentally and emotionally unwell, and it's the therapist's job to bring them up to a state of wellness. Life coaching works under the assumption that a client is already mentally and emotionally healthy and stable. They just want to feel better, change something up, accomplish a goal, settle into a new identity, you know, help through transitions, relationships, whatever. So this is kind of just the difference between therapy and life coaching. So people hire life coaches to help them maybe with parenting, like a parenting coach, career coach, relationship coach. People hire life coaches to help them with like creative pursuits. Most people who want to write a book hire a book coach. Uh, Athletic pursuits, of course. Coaching we're used to in sports and things. But, you know, entrepreneurial pursuits, businesses. Coaching is a great profession to have in any area of your life where you want to excel and really like make the most of it. But a client is better served by a therapist than a life coach sometimes. (laughs) And I say the most important is when they have experienced a trauma that they've never spoken about. So this trauma could be during childhood or adulthood, but Telling the story of what happened to you to a compassionate witness is so valuable. So sitting in a therapist's office with them sitting right next to you, hearing your traumatic story and receiving it and then giving you the compassion that you really needed and help you process it. So revisiting this traumatic story once or twice to somebody without judgment helps you identify the emotions and interpret the trauma in a way that's so much more empowering than it was at the time, right? It can be really hard to move forward in your life if you have this big thing you haven't addressed yet. So that's where I think it can be a super mom power boost, is if you have something in your life, I mean, it could be 
you know, a, a serious thing. Like a lot of people think, oh, I don't want to open that can of worms because, you know, I just I don't even want to talk about that time of my life or that you know, whatever, you know, that parent that I have this bad relationship with, but it does tend to keep you from moving forward. And so it can really serve an important and helpful role. But (laughs) once you've told the story of your trauma to a compassionate witness and process the emotions of the event, repeating that story again can actually keep you stuck in the past. Life coaching is more present and future focused. So we don't revisit things like, you know, what were your parents like? I mean, occasionally it might come up or something that happened to you as a kid, but it's so much more focused on how is that affecting you today from getting what you want, from creating a life that's more aligned with your essence, that's more like perfectly suited to you. So if you feel like it's time to open the can of worms and finally speak out loud about something that has haunted you for a long time, then find a therapist in your area. I think sometimes we don't even realize, I know for me, like I didn't even realize that I had experienced a traumatic event. All I knew was that I had anxiety and I didn't know why. And it was just going through the life coaching and reading all these books about anxiety that it started uncovers. Like I witnessed a really bad accident when I was 21, 22, and it totally impacted the rest of my life. But it wasn't a it wasn't personal to me. It was just a like a, you know, a really bad accident, I guess. And somebody died as a result. And it, that's that was a trauma that I didn't realize I needed to process out loud. And once I did, it was just like freed me up. I was able to go overcome my anxiety. Like I say, cure my anxiety because it was so dramatically different afterwards. And so sometimes just like finding that source can be really helpful. So if you feel like you've got a can of worms, you need to open it. I highly suggest find a therapist in your area. You probably won't get a boost of energy right away, but over time, cleaning up the past is going to help you feel more energized about your future. If you don't feel like you have a trauma that needs verbalizing, or you've already kind of verbalized it to a therapist and you had that compassionate witness and you kind of worked through the childhood stuff, then maybe a life coach is a better fit for you. Maybe you just want to feel better. Maybe you want to accomplish a goal. Maybe you want to change something up in your life transition to a different phase of your life. So that's when life coaching can be really helpful, get you like the essence of kind of who you are, what you want more aligned with your actual day-to-day life. So if that's what you're looking for as life coaching, go to lifecoachingforparents.com slash work with me with little hyphens in between work with me. And we will give you a free discovery call and see if it's a good fit for you. I want to end with the quote of the day. Now, I always thought that this serenity prayer from Alcoholics Anonymous was the perfect fit for parenting. So today's quote of the day is the serenity prayer from AA, and it goes, God grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change, the courage to change the things I can, and the wisdom to know the difference. I think that's the perfect quote for raising kids. So I will wish you well. I will say pura vida to you. And I hope you're having a great summer. Take care. Want a free life coaching session? 
Go to lifecoachingforparents.com and schedule yours today. And thank you so much for listening. I would love it if you would subscribe and share these podcasts with your friends. If you have a question you'd like me to answer on the air, go to lifecoachingforparents.com slash record my question and you can send me a voicemail recording or write me an email and I'll answer it on the air. Thanks again. Have a great day.